What's going on, people? It's me, your host, P. Cooks, and welcome to this episode of Raise Your Voice. I'm titling this one freestyle because I'm going to freestyle what I'm talking about this week. You know, no script, just what comes out of my mouth via my heart and my mind. You know, I have a few notes, you know, so let's get to it. You know, first thing up in this episode is the current state of America. Now, I'm going to break this down into several pieces that I want to talk about. And this first um, piece I want to talk about is COVID-19. You know, I know we all, and it's my prayer to everyone that hears this or is listening to this broadcast, is in good health. Your family's in good health. You're doing your part to stay safe and to keep the, the virus from spreading. You know, but it, it, it's a it's a wonder to me because a lot of people, you know, they have their own opinions. Some people feel like, you know, it's a hoax. Some people feel like, um, you know, it, it's real. You know, some people feel like the government or, or the president or whomever can mandate, you know, people wearing masks. You know, it's a whole lot of things that's going on behind this um, COVID-19. But let me just give a... Um, a few um statistics I, I pulled from the um the um the CDC website, you know, just for um for um background, you know, United States has roughly seven million cases, roughly two hundred thousand deaths, roughly four million recovered, roughly a ninety five percent recovery rate slash discharge. And if you want to do the numbers as far as mortality, you know, that's roughly, you know, a 5% mortality rate. You know, me, for one, you know, I feel like any, you know, deaths behind this, you know, especially with the stuff that's coming out right now is a shame. You know, it's shameful on leadership of this country, you know, as I made it adamant from the beginning. With this whole pandemic, pandemic, hopes, whatever you want to call it, from the beginning, I said that if we had a president that had some balls, we wouldn't find ourselves in this situation. You know, the sad thing for me, and I'll say it again and again and again, that this thing became political instead of it being about people. You know, it was the Democrats versus the Republicans, the Republicans versus the Democrats, you know, the Trump supporters against the non-supporters. All of this stuff at the same time, people were constantly getting sick and people were dying, you know. So with all of those numbers, you know, everything, it sounds good. It sounds like, you know, some people say it's not as bad as as, as it sounds or whatever. But again, I'll say don't find out the hard way, you know. Because irregardless, for me, I said in the beginning, you could throw out all the data when it comes to this virus simply because nobody really knows anything. You know, nobody really knows anything. They don't know how it, it basically spreads. Yeah, they say it spreads via aerosol droplets. At first, they said it wasn't airborne. Then they say it is airborne. Then they say the, the incubation period is one thing. Then they say it's another now they're trying to, you know, it, it's a whole lot of stuff going on behind this. You know, it's coming out that that they saying the numbers were fudged, you know, and, and and it's a lot of stuff, you know, behind this virus, you know. But the numbers, it sounds good for those that will believe that this is a hoax, you know. And, and, and the bad part about it is I, I, I said in the beginning and I'll say it now, I wish 
the proponents or the people that's against this or like to make comparisons, stop comparing this virus to any other virus that we've encountered, like the flu or things like polio or or cancer or any other, you know, respiratory virus that may be out there, pneumonia or whatever. You know, stop stop doing that, you know, because me, I, I, I know that with those instances, those viruses, those diseases, it's some form of, um, you know, treatment. It's a protocol that's trusted, you know, that everybody can get behind, you know, to try to resolve the issue, to try to heal the situation. But in this instance, this COVID-19, it, it, there's no protocol, you know, and, and I said, I think in one of my other posts is that, you know, it, it's like everything is pretty much hit and miss with this this particular virus you know it has a lot to do with timing and then you have certain you know physicians that are afraid to prescribe certain protocols because they may lose their jobs you know certain say certain things are said to work other things are said not to work you know so you don't really know what is what with this virus you know but it all the numbers sounds good you know you know and i get it you know, sounds good, right? But all of all of this coming on the heels, all of this stuff, these numbers, all of this stuff I just talked about coming on the heels of the person sitting in the highest position of this country, having been caught on audio stating that he knew the severity of this pandemic or this virus, but decided to play it down. And, and mind you, this man is running for another four years to sit in that seat but it's been proven time and time again that this man has no care for democracy he has no understanding of diplomacy and he definitely has no regard for human life you know or certain ethnicities he's only concerned about maintaining the status quo for the quote-unquote the, the 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 loud majority you know, the loud majority. And when I talk about the loud majority, I'm talking about his supporters, you know, but I'll come back to that. You know, I'll come back to that. And I get it. You know, I get it. Some feel that this virus is no worse, you know, than the flu. But I beg to differ because according to the CDC, and these are some notes I pull just for background purposes, between October 1st, 2019 and October 4th, 2020 you know and that's the quote-unquote flu season right you had 39 to 56 million flu illnesses had 18 to 26 million medical visits you have 410 to 740 thousand hospitalizations and then you had another 24 to 62 thousand deaths so um for all of the proponents you know that believe that that the flu is worse make those numbers make sense you know make those numbers make sense it doesn't make sense you know it doesn't make sense when you say that more people die from the flu than people have died from this well based on the flu season last year which consisted of six or seven months you know versus the same six or seven month time period with this coronavirus you know this COVID 19 it seems like the death rate is sort of kind of tri triple that, you know, and, and, and let me go a little bit further with that, with, with these numbers, you know, 
So if you got 39 to 56 million illnesses, you know, you got 24 to 62,000 deaths, you know, that's within 35 to 56 million flu illnesses. So I would say that's cases. But here it is. You got 17. I mean, you got 7 million reported cases in the United States and you got over 200,000 deaths and county. So, again, make those numbers make sense, you know, and for, for, for those proponents, it's not even they don't know if this thing is seasonal or what, because it's still people still contracting it. You know, it's still contracted. And the bad part about it is you don't really know if you get these symptoms. You don't really know if you got the flu or if you got if you got the um, the coronavirus or you might have pneumonia. You might have something else, you know, because all of the symptoms are the same. So how do you distinguish between what's Corona or COVID-19? What's the flu and what's pneumonia? How do you determine which is which? But yet they will try They're They're going to try to push this 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 flu vaccine this season. And and again, I haven't taken a flu shot in over 20 years, you know, because the last time I took a flu shot, I, I feel like I was going to die, you know, literally from the flu shot. I feel like I was going to die. And, and, and if 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 the testing statistics and all of that stuff holds to be true, where they say that people that generally get the flu shot generally catch the flu make it make sense for anybody to want to take a, a, a coronavirus vaccine where the chances are that they will catch the virus and especially and i'm speaking from a, a african-american standpoint a black man standpoint a black person in america standpoint my my ethnicity seems to be hit harder with this virus because we suffer with more of the comorbid conditions the underlying conditions that cause the severity in this this virus so make it make sense why we would want to be first in line to take a vaccine one that we're sure not sure is going to work two we're not sure what's in this vaccine you know and three chances are on other things that i've read they were talking about if you are obese or anything of that nature guess what chances are the virus or vaccine won't work for you anyway you know so make it make sense you know if 42 percent of americans uh, of all ethnicities are considered obese what is the purpose in those people taking the vaccine if because of their obesity or the classification of obesity the chances are the virus may not work or they may need a double dose. So if they need a double dose, guess what? They're, that means it's going to be twice as much of the virus in their system, meaning that they're going to catch the have a higher risk of catching the virus. Again, make it make sense. It doesn't make sense. You know, you got 32 to 49 million fewer cases. You know, fewer cases. You know, and then you got 138 to 176 thousand more deaths so make it make sense here it is we have seven million reported roughly seven million reported cases of the virus and roughly two hundred thousand deaths versus the flu season same time period same frame you know you got between 39 and 56 million people and you got roughly 24 to 62 thousand deaths make that make sense 
So which one seems to be worse? You know, imagine what uh what what the death toll would look like if we were at 56 million reported cases. Make do do the math. You know, we be up over, you know, well over 300,000 deaths and they're predicting that by the end of 2020, they're predicting a uh, of roughly 400,000 people to die from this. So here it is, September. You got September, October, November, December. Do the math. If they're expecting 400,000 people to die from this by the end of 2020, and we're at 200,000, roughly you're going to get at least 50 to 60 or maybe even 70,000 deaths a month moving forward going into this flu season. You know, by the end of this year, you know, and they're trying to rush a vaccine where the highest scientific person in the country is saying that it's no way they're going to have a, a vaccine by the end of November, you know, or, or, or the beginning of November, right before the um the election. You know, he's saying more like the end of the year or the beginning of the year, which, again, to me, is a, a rush job. Because from my understanding, you know, the normal course of things of of approval and testing, it takes years. It takes years to validate a new vaccine for a new virus. So go through. So 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 basically what's going to happen is when this vaccine comes, hits mainstream for those that take it. If it doesn't become mandatory, you know, it, it, what's going to happen is it's going to be a lot of trial and error. You're basically going to be a guinea pig because it's got not going to be enough data to support it being something given to everybody in the country. For those, again, that that are looking to get in line to take a vaccine, you know, it's not going to be enough data, you know, to support it. You know, and and, and I think I, I've read somewhere or I heard something where one of the um the companies that was doing the vaccine trials, they had to stop, you know, the trial because one of the, the, the trial um um individuals that was in the trial was suffering from some 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 symptoms or something that they wasn't familiar with. So what is that about? You know, and, and furthermore, make me understand this. Why is it that the people that are, go, that are going through this trial with these vaccines, why are why is one of the stipulations that they can't be intimate? There's no intimacy or they're basically they're not supposed to have sex. You know, why is that? Because, oh, is it that they're not sure what type of effect what they're doing is going to have on their DNA? Are they trying to alter our DNA for some reason? You know, I, and I have my, my suspicions, you know, about the whole situation based on what I've read and what I've seen. And again, some people will throw it away as false news. If you post it on Facebook or in YouTube or whatever, guess what? It instantly gets fact checked and, and it gets pulled down. But who are they to fact check anything? When did they become the, the, the moral authority or, or the, the, the truth, truth doctors of mainstream society? You know, but that that's, you know, uh, something that is it, it, just it, it, it's funny to me. You know, it's really funny to me. But again, you know, it, it, it's just crazy to think that, you know, and this is rolling into 
my next topic, which I want to talk about is, you know, initially we have <clears throat> the, uh, the president, excuse me. Initially, he, he blew it off like it wasn't that serious. Right. And now he's caught on audio saying and it's in somebody's book. I don't know whose book it's in, but it, it's caught. He, he's caught saying that he knew that it was the severity of it, but he didn't want to want to he didn't want to play it up. He wanted to play it down because he didn't want to cause a panic. What does that make sense? So you would rather people die. You would rather people die than tell the truth. It makes no sense to me, people. It makes no sense. You know, and then this man is up for reelection. And he literally thinks he deserves another four years. And it's a lot of people out there that feels like he deserves another four years. Well, I'm not one of those people. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I'm not too woke to know that, you know, Biden and Harris, both of them have issues. But I, I'm smart enough to know that. Guess what? The current administration needs to go because they are not only dangerous for this country. They're dangerous for this world. You know, I don't care if people talking about it's something deeper behind the scenes. Listen, I don't care. You could claim Donald Trump and his administration is fighting against media and and all of these these um these these globalists and all of that stuff. You could claim whatever, you know, but based on what I've seen, that's not even a concern of mine. You know, my concern is this man's disregard and his racist tendencies towards other ethnicities and uh, the thing as to why he that that administration needs to go. And I'm going to leave this alone is because don't forget, people, this administration gets to nominate judges moving on. Next thing up is return to school, you know, and, and, and this is a, a really a really uh, a sensitive topic here. For me personally, you know, because I have a school age child, you know, and I've sat on several panels listening to, um, you know, varying viewpoints, you know, as to why kids should be should go back to school face to face um, schooling, why they need to do it. Listen, and, and, and when this broke, when this broke out, this virus, things broke out. I told my daughter at that time. I told her, chances are the beginning of the school year, you won't be going back to a school building for schooling, you know, and, and that's just my choice. You know, that's my choice. It's not that I'm making that decision from a, 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 a point of fear or anything. You know, my reasoning for my child not going back to a school building for um for for schooling this first semester, especially going into the flu season is make this make sense to me. Why am I going to send my child back to school face to face learning when they don't want you sitting in a movie theater for two hours, but they want you to send your kids to school and sit in the classroom for seven or eight hours? Make that make sense to me. You know, they want you not to have uh, a certain number of people, no more than 250 people congregating in one general space. But. They want you. They want us to pack these schools out with our with our children. Excuse me. Make that make sense. Furthermore, since so many people are 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 against from what statistics have shown and pollings and all of that show, more than half of the country is not on board with taking a um a vaccine. 
you know. So the quickest way for people for them to get to immunity or herd immunity is for people to get sick. And what better way to infect the um, the masses of, of the population than having you send your kids to these school buildings, have an outbreak in the school, kids come home, everybody in the house get, catches the virus. Then you got to quarantine. Hopefully, you know, some will, will make it. And if you're in a high risk, you know, the chances are if you got comorbid conditions, you may not make it. They don't think that some of these kids that have to go back to school and, and for face-to-face -face learning, they live with their grandparents. They're being raised by their grandparents and their grandparents in a high risk category. You know, or somebody in the ho in the household has an underlying issue like asthma, um, high, high blood pressure, um, you know, diabetes, you know, cancer, has some type of autoimmune issue. You know, what what about those people? You know, so basically, I feel like you know the administrators, uh, administration of this country, administrators or whatever, they just concluded that we're going to have a certain level uh, of casualties in, in this situation. Which I get it, but why should that be the case? Why should I? Why, why should I send my child to a school building where chances are it may be an outbreak? You know, and then, you know, she comes home now. Not only does she has to quarantine, but everybody in the household has to quarantine. So that means that, you know, her mom works from home. So her mom would be OK, you know, barring any illness or whatever, you know. But guess what? I have to go into work. So if she has to quarantine, I come in contact with her. I have to quarantine. So basically, who's going to pay me, you know, if my company or if my job doesn't allow me that time off and I can work from home, you know, doing my job, which I could do my job from home, but that it's not a, 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 a something that I just make the decision. You know, I have to make sure that, that that's okay. You know, I, I have some leniency in, in my workplace, but with the virus, you know, it, it's just a hassle because not only do you have to quarantine, but in order for you to return to work, you got to get two negative test results before you can return to work. You know, so that means that you got to take two tests. You know, if you're quarantining, they want you to be tested anyway. You know, so I mean that, that make it make it make sense. You know, you know, the number uh, and rates of coronavirus cases in children has risen, you know, since this pandemic took hold in the spring. You know, it's risen, you know, and, 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 and my thing is with, with, with this virus, when it comes to, to children, you know, especially from five, you say to 17, you know, they want to talk about it. it they don't catch it at a, a rate where, you know, it's really, really severe with them to the point of death. I beg to differ. You know, how do you come up with that conclusion, especially when the virus broke out? What did people do with their children? They protected them. They isolated their children away from the outside world to keep them from catching this virus. You know, so those kids that have been, you know, isolated for five or six months now because they haven't been having a normal interaction with with people and and, and the environment. Their immune systems are sort of kind of suppressed or compromised. So now they're susceptible to catch anything going into the flu season.
So what are you going to do? You're going to make them take the flu shot in order for them to go to school. And guess what's going to happen? Because their immune systems are compromised from being isolated away from normal things that we need to be doing to make sure our immune system is functioning, you know, coming in contact with bacteria and different things of that nature. Guess what? They get a flu shot. What's going to happen? They're going to catch the flu. They're going to get sick. And how do you know that it's the actual flu or if it's the coronavirus? How do you know the difference? You know, so for me. That whole notion what with, 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 with the kids don't 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 catch this or deal with this this virus on a severe level. Throw that dad out the window because you don't know. You don't know, you know, period. Tell that mother that lost her child, seven year old child that was relatively healthy, you know, to the virus. Tell that mother that lost her 10 year old child that had underlying issues to the virus. Tell that mother uh, of uh, uh, her nine year old that that relatively healthy and died from the virus. Tell them people that no. Tell them people that, oh, the kids are not they they're not dying from it. Tell them that. How do you think that makes them feel? And then on top of the fact of you have all of these people out here that say, well, it's against their constitutional rights or their civil rights or whatever, their civil liberties to be forced to wear a mask. Listen. I don't like wearing my mask either. You know, I don't. I've said it from the beginning. I worked in a foundry. I know the effects of wearing a mask for extended periods of time. You know, I've even tried to share that information with people from from my own experience. Years ago, I worked in a foundry. And one of the first things that we did and, and, and going through orientation and all of that stuff for the job on the job training was we had a class on wearing masks and respirators. And one of the things that was told to us that wearing respirators and masks over the ex over an extended period of time causes upper respiratory issues. You know, I, and when I worked in the foundry, guys were always off work with sinus infections, off work with 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 strep throat, off work with 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 respiratory issues maybe it was the environment but guess what i'm sure that the respirators and the mask has something to do with it because you pretty much had to wear it eight hours while you were in that foundry you know but i was attacked and was told that didn't no osha trainer tell me that but i sat in the class it was other people that sat in the class where this was told to us but i was attacked and said that you know i was telling a lie ain't nobody told me that but I sit in the class, you know, just because I voice my opinion about masks. And again, masks affect people differently. It depends on what type of underlying issues you already deal with. You can't tell me uh, somebody that deals with asthma and somebody that doesn't are going to have the same effect from wearing a mask, given the fact that one has asthma and one doesn't. Asthma is already an upper respiratory issue, you know. And, 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 and I, I've seen examples of of individuals, one particular individual. He did a, a video and posted it on YouTube. Eventually, the, the video was taken down because they didn't want the information to get out there. But, you know, he took a air quality tester, right? Held it by his mouth. Cut it on, breathe normally, you know. No alarms, no alerts, anything from the air quality mo monitor. Put on a mask, 
stuck the air quality monitor thing under the mask and started breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. And eventually, guess what happened? It started uh, sending out alerts. See, here's the problem. And this is what people don't understand. You know, when we inhale oxygen and we exhale, you know, inhale, exhale, you're exhaling carbon dioxide, right? But you're exhaling it without a, a, a mask on. You're exhaling it back into, you know, a normal environment. But if you have on a mask, especially these N95 or whatever mask that's supposed to be the, 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 the standard where it's supposed to be airtight or whatever, over a period of time, if you're inhaling and exhaling, inhaling and exhaling carbon dioxide, you're it's not good for your system because that's not fresh air. I don't know why people don't get that. You know, you and you've had incidents of people wearing masks while driving, passing out. Explain that. You have people that suffer from headaches and nausea and things of that nature from wearing a mask. Explain that. You know, I know of individuals that work in the healthcare field, and I'm not saying that everybody has the same experience because, again, it affects people differently. Where they talked about how it affects them wearing the mask all day. You know, they have nausea, headaches, and things of that nature. You know, so it affects people differently. And I don't think that because people have a different experience with the mask and voice their opinion that they should be shamed or, or made to feel like what they're saying is a lie. You know, I, I believe in this time and, and, and history. Guess what? The new hate speech is the truth because it, it should only be one truth narrative and everybody should be on the bandwagon with everything else that that mainstream uh, society is saying or going along with. Forget about how you feel. You need to go along with this situation so we can get past that. I don't you know, I don't I don't adhere to that. And again, I don't like wearing my mask either, you know, and but I do my part because I'm not only considerate about myself, but I'm considerate about the next person. You know, I'm not walking around with a mask on 24 hours, seven days a week. I wear my mask when I go out in public, go to stores, whatever I need to do in public. I wear my mask when I'm at work, but when I'm at home, in my yard, in my house or whatever, around the people in my household that we are still social distancing ourselves. You know, we, we have no need to wear a mask. You know, we have no need to wear a mask. You know, and see, and getting back to this returning to school situation, the biggest thing about returning these sending these kids back to school from from their homes is, see, my 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 thing is your home is a controlled environment. You know, you control who goes and who comes in your home, but anything outside of your household is not a controlled environment. You know, so for me and my household, I take enough risk. For everybody in the household going out here to work every single day, I take enough risk. And trust me, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. Wearing my mask, wiping down surfaces, you know, washing my hands, using hand sanitizers, you know, social distancing and all of that. You know, I'm doing it all, you know, just to be safe. Come home from work, 
clothes I wear to work go straight to the washer. You know, I'm straight to the shower before I interact with anybody or anything. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And thank God that nothing has befallen upon me or my household uh, um, as of yet. You know, but it's still I'm doing everything that I can control. But me being in the workplace, it's an uncontrolled environment because how do I know people on, on, on my job are doing the exact same thing? How do I know that they're out there wearing a mask? You know, how do I know that they're being careful who they associate with during this time? How do I know that? I don't know that. So that's why I do everything that I have to do to make sure I'm safe outside of the house. You know, even though. I have my issues with the mask and and know how it affects me personally. You know, I have issues, you know, I get nauseated at time, headache, you know, my breathing is all erratic and stuff like that from time to time for wearing a mask. That's my experience. So don't make me feel like I, 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 I shouldn't have that experience or I shouldn't say anything or I shouldn't voice that to let people know that this is my truth. You know, so think about that, you know, and then I'm supposed to send my child to an uncontrolled environment because to be perfectly honest, you've seen the the the, the pictures and the videos of these schools where these kids are congregating, not wearing masks, you know, no social distancing. And where is the oversight? Where's the oversight? You don't hear of anything being done to after the fact. Not during the fact where it should be hall monitoring, shouldn't be that many students in the hallway at all, period. You know, people were talking about they want to get back to normal. The quickest way to get back to normal is for people to do what needs to be done to start to, to put to, to knock down, keep these numbers down, you know, and then hopefully we can make it through this season coming up this flu season pneumonia season whatever is coming up until they get to some type of vaccine or some type of something for this you know and me personally i don't plan on taking a vaccine you know i don't you know i have i i i'm not one to to put stuff in my body when i know my body's designed to heal itself you know if you properly eat rest um exercise um nutrients vitamins all that stuff get into your body the right things guess what your immune system will do what it's supposed to do it'll do what it's supposed to do without introducing all of these foreign bodies into your system you know why is it that there's so so much talking about these vaccines and nobody's talking about or mainstream media if you can't get to a vaccine fast enough why isn't it a major health push for people to eat healthy and vitamins, minerals and things of that stuff to make people or help people, you know, boost their immune systems? Why is it not a push for that? Why is it not more more um, uh, um, um, commercials pertaining to that? Make it make it make sense, you know. And we're supposed to be so trustworthy and forthcoming to send our kids. Listen, like I told my daughter and me and my daughter, we talked about it several times to the point that she cried and, and all of that. But then she got the understanding as to why this was necessary. You know, it's not that I want her to get back to a sense of normalcy. I want everybody. I want society to go back to the way things used to be. But unfortunately, that will never be the case. Things will never be the same, even if they do come up with a vaccine.
you know, and things will never be the same. You know, she gets to see her friends via Zoom and things of that nature. She was she was able to have a few friends over for her birthday, minimal, you know, four friends and her five people, you know, over, you know, social distancing, making sure everybody's temperature was under check and all of that stuff. We did what we needed to do. That's the new norm. That's how we have to uh, um, function for the time being. But I will not make a decision to send my child back to a situation that I know is not safe. I don't care what type of safety measures they put in place, you know, and I know it's no absolutes. But guess what? It's not figured. They haven't figured it out. This is trial and error for everybody. And guess what? I don't want my child to be a casualty of this trial and error phase. Unfortunately, I wish Every parent was in my position where they could keep their child home and homeschool. Them. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And it's my prayer for the staff that have to go into the buildings to do the teaching. It is my prayer for the children that have to go into these school buildings. And it is my prayer for their families that are waiting for them to come home. It is my prayer. But I feel like it's so much more that the government could have done. And it's not like, you know, people are begging for something or wanting something for nothing. You know, come on, let's have a little common humanity here. People's lives are at stake. Yeah, the economy may tank and all of that stuff. But as I said from the beginning, guess what? Businesses, if they are able to adapt and to innovate into these particular times they'll survive or they'll even come back because what what's going to happen they're going to get a bailout they're going to get access to loans and things of that nature but guess what guess what's not coming back that mother that father that sister that brother that child that aunt that uncle that nephew you know that grandfather that grandmother that teacher that principal whomever they're not coming back if they die from this you know, they're not coming back if they die from this, you know, that that's that's the whole that's the thing about this. They're not coming back if they die from this. But we're more concerned about an economy. And look what all of the other countries are doing. We in America, people have gotten one twelve hundred dollar stimulus check. One. You have several countries that are giving their citizens payments every single month to help keep the lights on to put food on the table and all of that stuff in an effort to to eradicate this virus keep the numbers down and keep the death rate down in their country not america he's worrying about the economy which i understand people have to work you know people have to work but i even feel like this and that why and on that wise you know we get all of this information and, 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 and don't get me wrong. I understand and I'm thankful for the first responders. I'm thankful for the doctors, the nurses, the CNAs and all of those people that deal with the cases in the in the hospitals. I'm thankful for the, the EMTs, the police officers and firefighters and all of that stuff that have to go into situations where they put themselves and their family at risk. You know, I'm thankful for those people. But I also believe that. I'm even thankful for the people that work at the grocery stores and stores, convenience stores, so we could get food, get gas, whatever, get our necessities. But I also feel that anybody 
that's working right now if you're working right now you're working for a purpose because you are an essential worker like hair salon um hairstylists barbers you know manicures all of these things should be are, are basically deemed you know necessities uh, if society will have its way you need your hair cut you need your hair done you need your nails done because you got to keep up a professional image because you are forced to go back to work you know so what about those front frontliners you know what about truck drivers what about the people that work on the, the auto assembly lines what about the people that support the plants that's making these cars or making parts for cars or or tanks or whatever they're making what about those people they're first responders too they're frontliners too because without their service i'm sure another industry would be shut down so why don't they get the extra money you know that comes to them. somebody like myself when this thing broke out i work in the it industry so guess what I consider myself a frontliner. Why? Because I had to be on the front line to make sure those that had to work from home had the systems in place to work from home. So I'm taking myself from my the safety of my home out into the world into this pandemic to make sure that other people can work from home, but yet and still I didn't see a pay raise for being deemed an essential employee. You know, I didn't get no letter in the mail saying that because I, I'm this or that, you know, I, the government is going to pay for my um, student loan debt, pay off my student loan debt. I didn't get nothing to say that, oh, because I'm a deemed an essential employee, I can get, you know, uh, money to go to school to get a master's degree or PhD or whatever I want. I didn't get that. You know, I didn't get that. You know, so I feel like, you know, uh, I'm just out here taking a risk like everybody else for nothing. You know, yeah, my, my bills are getting paid. I'm getting a paycheck. But in certain instances, people have to weigh the pros and cons, especially depending on what industry you're working on. But, you know, that's a whole nother um, another conversation. But as far as kids returning to school, I don't think it was a good idea so soon. You know, we could have started off, you know, a virtual, you know, but, you know, because, you know, quote unquote, people have to go back to work, you know, and even with that. They send their kids to school. They still have to worry or wonder, you know, is it going to be an outbreak in the school? And if it's an outbreak in the school, their child has to quarantine. Then that means they have to quarantine. Now they're worrying about how they're going to get paid, this, that or whatever, you know, so on and so forth. You know, it's, I just think that the best option, at least for me, was to get through this first semester, see how this thing pans out, see if they it works, if they make any improvements before I decide to send my child back to that situation. Because I knew going in that it was going to be a lot of trial and error. Because again, I work for the big three auto industry, you know, and I saw from the beginning, it took them three, four months to put a plan in place with trial and error testing and all of that stuff to get people back into the plants with some level of safety. And most of these school districts had to do it in, in, in less than 30 days, you know, but keep it moving. Black lives matter. You know, maybe it's just me, you know, but it seems as if the, um, the protest 
are slowing or getting less TV coverage unless they they go way left. You know, I haven't seen and, and, and maybe again, it's just me because I don't really watch too much TV anyway. You know, so maybe it's just me, you know, but it seems as if, you know, it's not getting that much coverage unless it's something that goes wrong. You know, it's an encounter with law enforcement, people getting shot, people getting killed and things of that nature. And I saw something uh, the other day where they were talking about the FBI said that in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, you know, some Donald, some some Trump supporters and I and this is alleged information. I don't know, but it supposedly came from the FBI said that Trump supporters had planned on coming out, picking off protesters. So what go figure. What do they mean by picking off protesters? They had planned on being snipers, taking out protesters, you know, but that's Trump's America. He'll have you believe that this is Biden's America, but Biden ain't the president. He's the president. Uh, but anyway, you know, from something I read, you know, supposedly, you know, like 93% of the protests are peaceful, you know, but it's always that 7% they get the press, you know, and, and that was from the beginning. That was my concern about these protests, you know, that a lot of these protests, they're out there, they're protesting. But what's the end game? You know, yes, you're bringing awareness to um, police brutality. But what's the end game? Because last I checked, you know, black men, black people are still being killed by police officers and they're justifying it. The prime example, Breonna Taylor, you know, her situation, the officers that killed her, they're still free. And chances are it won't be any convictions because of poor decision making, you know, as far as people she associated with once upon a time in her life. That's the reason why they they seem to not have done anything from what I've heard allegedly, you know, because she still interacted with her ex-boyfriend who was a known drug dealer. She knew about what he was into and all this, that or whatever. So chances are because she continued to have a relationship or she has some form of a relationship with the individual. Chances are, you know, uh, her 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 murderers will will get off, you know, and evil was said that they offered their um her ex-boyfriend a, a, a plea bargain to say that she was part of his organized crime ring to reduce his sentence. And he supposedly turned it down. You know, what, what, what type of what type of country is this where you're trying to bribe somebody with, with reducing their time just so you can make yourself look good or make it look like you didn't make a mistake that you were justified in doing what you're doing? I don't care, you know, if a person is guilty of something or not, a violent crime or whatever. It's not the police officer's right to be judge, jury and executioner in that situation. You know, prime example was a young man that got shot seven times in his back. You know, now he's paralyzed for the rest of his life. Now they want to bring up this man's past history talking about he had just jumped on his baby's mother's or whatever the case was. In regards to what the man had just done, it wasn't justifiable. It didn't deserve him being shot seven times in the back. You know, you don't even know talking about he went to the car and he was reaching for a knife. How do you know he was reaching for a knife? Matter of fact, I've seen a lot of videos where 
Caucasian individuals have have chased police officers with weapons and none of them were shot. Well, very few of them were shot. You know, they got to go to jail. You know, they got to live. But that's never an option for black people. If I pick up a stick and threaten a police officer, guess what? I become a threat and I'm dead on the scene. If I get arrested for a crime, how many times they going to stop at Burger King and get me something to eat when I say I'm hungry? You know, how many times are is tasing going to be an option? How many times is the is it going to be an option to negotiate and talk the individual down before you result to deadly force? You know, it, it's not an option for black people, you know, but again, you know, I, 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 I get it, you know, you know, and and for me, you know, I always felt like these these protests, you know, they really had no dramatic ending with the rally, you know, stating, you know, the purposes and identifying figureheads, you know, to organize the, the efforts. You know, it's just like a few people get a few loud speakers and uh, bull horns and they just marching. What's the intended end? What's the purpose? What's the rallying point? What's going to be the end statement? Are we getting somewhere where somebody's going to make a speech and, and reiterate the purpose of the, 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 the protest of the marching instead of it always in most instances ending with a clash with law enforcement? Huh? Are we going to ever get to that point? You know, and, and, and furthermore, what what's the end game? What's the purpose? What is Black Lives really about? What what is Black Lives Matter really about? What it, what are what is that organization trying to prove? What is their end game? Because we have to understand Black Lives Matter is an organization, even though when we say Black Lives Matter, we really mean Black Lives Matter, you know, with emphasis, Black Lives Matter. But Black Lives Matter is an organization. That's a nonprofit organization supported by a rich, wealthy billionaire, multi-billionaire, you know, with an agenda for 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 um, society. You know, so, again, I'm not saying that Black Lives Matter is, is, is some type of group with with the social agenda uh, outside of, you know, the statement. Rather, Black Lives Matter is some type of socialized you know, um, situation with a, 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 a ill intended, you know, agenda, you know, because again, when black people say black lives matter, we really mean black lives matter, but it's other people out there hollering black lives matter, but they have a whole nother agenda. You know, that's one thing we have to realize It's two different emphasis on that statement. Black lives matter, depending on who it's coming from. If it's coming from a true black person, guess what? We really mean that black lives matter. But if it's coming from the organization, black lives matter, got to look at the underlying motive. You know, last thing I want to talk about is um, voting and this contract with black America. Now, um, I'm going to be short to the point with this. Again, you know, it's my opinion. And again, it's my opinion and everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But in my opinion, Donald Trump and his administration have to go. You know, I'm, I, I, it's no other way for me to put it, especially on from the standpoint. The man has told us so many lies over the last four years. It's just uncomprehensible. Un, un, un you know, and then recently in the past few days for him to be caught on audio 
saying that he knew that this pandemic was serious, but he wanted to play it down to keep from causing a pan a panic. So therefore, because he came out saying it was a hoax and it was going to disappear and this, that or whatever, 200,000 live dead lives later, and we're still counting. And this man has the nerve to have the audacity to want to run for an additional four years thinking that he has done a great job in this instance make that make sense to me anybody you know and for people that that support this man i don't understand how you sleep at night you know how do you sleep at night justifying all of his lies his inciting of decisive measures in society you know, not trying to unite the country. He's he's further driving a wedge of division in the country. You know, says what he wants to say, doesn't care. There's no repercussions or anything. Encouraging people in certain states to vote, elect, go to the polls and vote and mail in a, a, a ballot. That's illegal. But this man is talking about uh, 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 encouraging people to commit commit fraud here. And he's the main proponent against immigrants illegally voting. Make that make sense. It doesn't make any sense. So this man, he needs to go. You know, uh, and, and again, guess what? With Biden and Harris, like I said in the beginning, I have my issues. Their hands are not clean of certain bloody instances in America's history, you know, but here's my thing when it comes to the two different administ administrations, you know, it's obvious that, you know, people of color are not getting anything from Donald Trump, period. You know, he don't want to give up PPE equipment for frontliners. So you think he's going to sit down and have a serious conversation with anybody regarding the contract with black America? He might talk a good game to get back in office. But soon as he get back in office, he ain't going to want to sit down and talk with nobody. And then it's too late because he uh, his four years will be up anyway. But here's my thing. Harrison Biden, they could get if, if black people wanted to get behind him, you know, OK. Get behind them, get them in office. But as soon as we get them in office, after they set up their cabinet and everything, it's time for you to sit down and talk to black America. Present the contract that that Ice Cube has put together. You know, again, I, I'm for a contract with black America. Do I agree with the contract? Uh, it, 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 it can be fine tuned. You know, it's a lot of good. It's a lot of good bones there. You know, meat and bones there. You know, but something that I would like to see more of because he talks about, you know, loans for home ownership and things of that nature. A home ownership loan would do me no good because I'm already in the per process of, of paying off my home. You know, so a home, a home ownership loan, a loan for home ownership wouldn't do me any good. You know, so what do I get out of it? You know, I don't see. I, I understand the long term deal that we're looking for. But people need something right now. So make me understand how a home ownership loan benefits me. Somebody that's in the process of paying off a home already. Is that are they going to nullify the debt so I can immediately have all of the equity in my home? You know, can I go apply for that loan to pay off this loan and whatever? You know, how does that work? You know, when it comes to reparations. 
I understand the fact that, you know, we want to businesses and things of that nature. You know, we want them to open up the bank for loans and things of that nature. You know, I understand that. But how is that going to benefit me right now? You know, because I, I, I get it. We want loans to start black businesses and things of that nature. But let's be perfectly honest. Everybody's not cut out for business. So if people are not cut out for business and, you know, and it's no monetary gain for them out of the past, what, what is going to make them get behind the, um, the contract? You know, it got to be some type of monetary exchange for, for people. You know, if it's it, it, what if they talking about payroll or, or, or tax breaks or whatever? Well, tax breaks don't help somebody that doesn't have a job. You know, that doesn't help a person that doesn't have a job. You know, how does that help a person that's uneducated? You know, that doesn't have a high school diploma that can't, can't get gainful employment. You know, and I'm not trying to pick the contract apart because, again, there's a lot of meat and bones there. But I'm just saying it needs to be fine tuned. And I saw Ice Cube sit down and he talked with Dr. Boyce Watkins, which is a friend of Dr. Claw Anderson. And if anybody you guys know who Dr. Claw Anderson is, he wrote the book Powernomics and he has a plan for reparations and everything in that book. I think if Ice Cube and his group get together with Dr. Claw Anderson and make this contract airtight, I mean, bring everybody to the table that was responsible for the enslavement and the mistreatment of black people not only in america but in the world i know we're concentrating on america right now but it's outside indices it's outside countries that had a big role and played a big role in the mistreatment of black people in america you know so they need to be pulled to the table too you know they shouldn't be excluded you know america ain't the only guilty party and what happened to black people you know, so we need to get out and vote, you know, and, and with this contract with black America, this is how the conversation should go. And I've said it time and time again. You know, we sit down, talk to the next administration. If it's Joe Biden and, and Carmela Harris, you know, then let's sit down. Let's talk like, like, hey, this is how the conversation should go. Here's the contract. This is what we're looking for. And we're looking for the first payments towards this contract to start rolling in at such and such date. What can you do if you can't do anything or you don't have any intention on meeting any other other demands in this contract? Guess what? We are from this day forward officially interviewing for your job. So in four years, we're going to put somebody in place that says that they're going to work on getting this contract with black America rolling in this country. You know, that's how the conversation should go. And that is contingency. You know where the power in that contract is, is strength in numbers. So that means that all black people need to get behind the contract in order for it to have validity and power. You know, because if we're going to continue to vote along party lines, meaning Democrats and Republicans or independents, grassroots or whatever, and not vote our interests. Guess what? It doesn't matter who we put this before. They're just going to look at us, you know, like somebody I heard somebody say that black people were like the, the low class prostitute uh, of the Democratic and, and, and the, um, the Republican parties. You know, it's a vote that they they basically got. And if they ain't sure if they they lacking in any other area, they always know they can come back to old faithful 
the old faithful black black American vote, the African American vote. You know, we ain't, they ain't got to give us nothing. You know, all they all we got to all they got to do is skin and grin, sit down and, and, and eat a few pieces of chicken with us and shop at a few of our stores. And, and, and that's it. And we don't get nothing else. Everybody else gets something, but we don't never get nothing. You know, so that's the um that's the broadcast for this week. Again, I encourage everybody, you know, I, I, I understand it's your right to choose to vote or not to vote. But at this particular time, I think that it's a um, a crucial situation in America when moving forward to get things done that everybody needs to get out and, and, and vote. You know, set your awokeness aside and get out, vote, get Donald Trump and his people out of office. You know, it doesn't do us any good just to get Donald Trump out of office, but we need to get all of these racist Republican senators and all of that stuff out of office, too. That have shown their card, they race card. You know, we need to get them out and get some people in office that's going to actually try to do right by this country, you know. And, and, and that's just my opinion. But everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But my thing is, if you don't vote, guess what? Don't say nothing. Because I'm telling people right now, another four years of Donald Trump. It's not going to be pretty for America and it's definitely not going to be pretty for um, um, for 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 um, black people. So if you're one of those people that's considering holding your vote, guess what? If you holding your vote in one hand, you better be ready to hold the Second Amendment right in the other hand, because that's basically what it's going to come down to. These Trump supporters, they are already getting bold. If this man gets another four years, he, he going to really feel unstoppable. You might as well just throw the Constitution in the garbage because he's not going to adhere to it. Might as well throw democracy in the garbage because he's not going to adhere to it. And you think, how does that benefit black people? We, we think it's rough now. We ain't getting nothing. We definitely going to have to fight tooth and nail for what we want or what we have moving forward. If this man gets another four four years in office, you know, again, that's my opinion, you know, and again, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But it, like I said, that's the end of the broadcast. You know, if you if you enjoy what you um heard, share it with a friend, you know, and leave a message if you have a comment. You know that you want to uh, or an opinion you want to state, leave a message and, and maybe on the next broadcast, I'll answer your question and, and get some clarity on what it is you think, how you feel or what you're looking for. So, again, I want to thank you for taking your time to um, listen to the broadcast. Peace. I'm out.